I'm just wondering anybody fascinated with ants here tonight. And uh, uh, they are really, when you think about it, they are amazing little creatures that God's made. Um, you probably know they can, live they can lift 50 to 100 times their own body weight, uh, which is amazing. So if you were that strong humanly, from what I understand and from what I've read, that means you could lift a car. That's apparently what it means. Anyway, I'm sure that you're enthralled with that, so we'll keep going. But anyway, one day this young guy discovered, uh, to his dismay and to his great concern, that this allotment that had the anthill on it was about to be bulldozed and excavated for a new development that was going to take place. Now, he'd spent some time looking at this anthill, and he was really concerned. And this young guy wished and wished that he could somehow become like an ant or become an ant, get amongst them and be able to get in there and warn them that the world that they're in is about to be destroyed. He wanted to warn them, he wanted to tell them how they could be saved. If they could just moved across the road in another area, they would be saved. That's what he would love to have done. But obviously, that was not possible. But doesn't this story reminds you a little bit of what God did in a similar way and how God felt toward you and me does it, does it not remind us of that and then what he consequently did for us you know in the Old Testament scriptures we find many scriptures that say things such as this for example I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I'm sorry you can't get away from that name, David. It's right here in the scripture as well. And then we read this from Isaiah. And these are scriptures I'm sure that you know, but hear them again. From Isaiah 7:14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means? Which means? God with us. God with us. As quoted in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 1 and verse 23. And let me ask you tonight, what do you hear God saying to you about himself through scriptures such as these? You're listening to what he's saying to you tonight. What's he saying about himself to you tonight? And while you're pondering that for a moment, let me just share with you a time when I was a Bible student a bit like Josh and Brendan and others. I'm not sure who else is here as Bible students, but I was a Bible student one day at one time. Let me share with you an, an occasion I remember very, very much um, where the lecturer was actually drawing a comparison between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles in their messages about Christ. And he said something really interesting, and it stuck in my mind. He went on to say that in the Old Testament... The prophets were basically saying, he's coming, he's coming. And in the New Testament, the apostles are saying, he's here, he's here. 
And that just kind of really clicked with me and I thought that was pretty amazing. And you know what, folks? Tonight, tonight, he's here. He's here. By his Holy Spirit, in the presence and person of his Holy Spirit, he is here amongst his people. And I'm wondering, are you aware of that tonight? Do you sense his presence? Are you saying, Jesus, thank you that I can be in your presence tonight? That you're here. It's not a matter of his coming. Well, he's coming again. But he's here, right here now, amongst his people. How awesome is that? He's aware, I just trust that you're aware of that because he really wants to meet with you. And are you aware of that? Are you aware of the fact that he really wants to know you? He wants to meet with you. He wants to be with you. That's the sort of God he is. Beautiful passage that was read to us tonight. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Then verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't know about you, but personally, I can't think of anything more amazing, more mysterious or more wonderful than this truth that the God of the universe this indescribable God of all creation actually chose to become one of us. Don't you think that says something about the value he places on us as human beings? Anyone here tonight have a low self-esteem? Just look at Jesus. He chose to become like you. That's the value that God puts on you tonight. He chose to become one of us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only of the Father, full of grace and truth. I've got lots of questions I'd like to just get you to think. Have you ever wondered what we would have if verse 14 was not there? What if the word had not become flesh and dwelt among us? What if we only had verses 1 and 2, for example? Let me <clears throat> tell you what I mean. What if we just had these verses? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. What if it ended there? What if that's all we had? I guess as you think about that, I guess we would only know that there was a God, that he was there in the beginning, that he created everything that there is, and the word, the word, well, well, the word, this word has something to do with God's own self-expression and that somehow he is out there somewhere. That's how I think we would be thinking if we had verse 14 omitted from the scripture. But what do you do with a God-inspired scripture that actually teaches us and reveals to us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What do you do with that scripture when it says that God became a man? I think it demands a response, don't you? I'll talk a little bit about that later on. But 
I want to read that same verse from the Amplified Version. And it says this, And the Word, Christ, became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled with us. is an interesting word. It's like when God's glory filled the tabernacle uh, in Moses' day back in Exodus 40, this localised presence of God. And he tabernacled or fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honour, his majesty, such glory as the only begotten Son receives from his Father, full of grace, favour, loving kindness and truth. And a cross-reference is made there to Isaiah 40 and verse 5. If you've got an amplified Bible, then treasure it and use it uh, for uh, its good reference material. But that's what this says in the amplified version. Don't you think this speaks of a God who loves us? Who wants to relate to us, relate with us? Who wants to communicate with us? Who wants to have an intimate relationship with us? Do you get that tonight? That this is the sort of God, this is what he's saying to us, I believe. The very fact that he did become flesh and dwell among us. I believe that Christ wants to have this intimacy with each one of us. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And do you understand what we're talking about, knowing? We're talking about the same kind of intimacy that a husband has with his wife and that a wife has with a husband. That's the kind of intimacy we're talking about tonight. And if we're continuing to travel through the book of Ephesians, we'll get to a chapter 6, whereas in verses 31 and 33 speaks about that. Paul talks about this mystery of this love relationship, this intimacy that Christ wants with his church. And it's that kind of intimacy that a husband and a wife have together. If you get what I mean, spiritually, that's what Christ wants with each one of you, with each one of us. I just think that's amazing. And you see, we also learn from this passage of God's written word in John's Gospel that firstly, three, brief, three very brief points, that firstly, that the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, also made us. We get that from this scripture. He also made us. Look at verse 3 of John 1. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This is an amazing truth. And the Apostle Paul also picks up this truth. And he speaks it to the Colossians. And he says this. So God's word through the Apostle Paul confirms this and says this in Colossians 1.16. For by him... All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, the visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He really is God. He is not a God. And there are some religions that will teach you that passage, that, that, that passage in verse 14 where it says, and, and the word was God and the word... Sorry, the word was with God and the word was God. They'll put the word was a God, a God. It doesn't say that. The word is God. He is God in absolute sense of that word. He's no lesser than God himself. So not only are you and I created through uh, the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, not only, did he he not only were we created through him, but we were created for him. We were created for him to be in relationship with him, as I've already mentioned. A relationship where we need to submit to him. Where we need to depend on him. 
That's the kind of relationship that Christ wants with us, that God wants with us. And I love how the psalmist also brings this truth out, particularly in Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4. What a magnificent psalm. You get a chance tonight, read Psalm 139. It just says there's a few verses. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's that say to you about this kind of God? The word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The God who has an absolute deep concern for every day of your life. So when you get up tomorrow morning, I want you to remember that every day for your life was ordained for you and written in the book before one of them came to be, which means tomorrow. So when you get up tomorrow, that day has been ordained for you and written in his book. And that might just help you to look at that day perhaps in a bit of a different light than perhaps you think, oh, Monday morning again. Monday. Well, just think of the fact that this day has been ordained for you and written in the book. We need to be able to take the scripture like this and, and really apply it every day to our lives. Secondly, secondly, we learn from this passage that the living word gave us light and life. Look at verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And I'm sorry, but I think that's a very poor translation in the NIV. I don't like the fact that it says that the, Lord, that the, the darkness has not understood it. I prefer the, the, the original word, which means has not overpowered it. I love the fact that darkness cannot overpower light. It can reject light. People will reject Christ, but they cannot overpower it. The light cannot be overpowered by darkness. And Warren Wearsby, he, he, he says this, God's first creative act in Genesis 1 was producing light. For the life of light, sorry, was producing light. For the life comes from light. Jesus is the true light. That is, the original light from which all light has its source. And as we go through John's Gospel, we'll see that there is a conflict between light and darkness. And in this particular context, the light represents Christ and eternal life. And the darkness, well, you could probably guess, represents Satan and death and separation from Christ. Everything ugly and horrible is kind of representing this darkness. Everything beautiful and pure and of God is the light. And the reality is that every single one of us, at one point in time, we were groveling around in the dark. And I've got to tell you tonight, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, folks, you're still in the dark. You're still in the dark. Christ wants to call you out of that into his marvellous light tonight. We're all there because of our sin.
Jesus came into this world, or as we read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us to bring us his light and his life, which can never be turned off. It will never end. His light remains forever. John 3.16 just popped into my head. God so loved the world. Can you say it with me? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life with him in the light. How amazing. That's the hope that we have, every one of us who loves Jesus here tonight. And then Jesus said these words regarding the light. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And then in John 12, it says this, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Can you pick that up tonight? We don't want to stay in the darkness. Without Christ, we're in the dark. With him, we're in his light. Powerful. And this leads me to a final point that I want to share with you tonight. The living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, also confronts and divides us. I guess as light and darkness is divided, so Christ came into the world to confront us and to divide. In other words, you and I need to make a choice. And you have the right to make a choice. We either receive him who is the light of the world or we reject him and stay in the dark. Which to many, which to many, many people are doing that now and you know people who are still in the dark and people in our own families and you're praying for them. And you know that the ones that stay in the dark do so to their own demise. And we need to choose between the two. Do we stay in the dark or do we come out into the light as Christ calls us to? And when we get to John chapter 3, which will be talked about next week, uh, that will be covered in John chapter 3. But in verses 9 to 11, it says this in John 1, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, this is a sad verse, the world did not recognize him. Though creation was made by him, creation didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own. Again, very sad verse. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And this is what it's meant by the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by his coming confronts and divides you either say yes to him or you're saying no to him and you have the right to make that choice you live by the consequences of that but you have the right to make that choice and I just wonder tonight which one of those two groups because there's only two which one of those two groups do you feel it do you fall into tonight have you asked yourself that are you in that group that says yes to Jesus or are you in that group that are saying no to him? It's just another thing to think about. And one more thing to think about as I close here now. The Lord Jesus, the living word of God, 
though he came into this world uninvited by us. Sorry, I've skipped through a little bit. I've got to read the other part of that. I can't leave it there. I've got to go to verse 12. Some rejected him as we saw. Some will also receive him. Listen to these. These are great verses. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. It's as simple and it's as clear as that, isn't it? He came to that which was his own. And he's coming here tonight. He is here tonight by his spirit. And there are those, unfortunately, who are not receiving him. But there are those tonight who have received him. And there may be those of you tonight who want to receive him. And I think that opportunity ought to be given to you tonight. So once again, as I said before, which group do you fall into? There's no sitting on the fence. You either receive Christ or you don't. You either know him tonight or you don't. And as I was about to say before, this is an interesting concept. The Lord Jesus Christ, the living word of God, though he came into this world uninvited by us, we didn't invite him, he came uninvited. Do you know what? He will not come into your life uninvited. He comes in the world uninvited, but he won't enter your life uninvited. You need to ask him to come in. And that's why I believe this next passage, that I, as I close with now, from Revelation 3.20, also has a very powerful personal application. Listen to these magnificent words from Revelation 3 and verse 20. Jesus is speaking and he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Isn't that a magnificent verse of scripture? Just again speaking of this God who put on human form, who wants to come into your life. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to dine with you and you with him. And he wants to remain with you forever. But you need to open the door. So that's what I'd ask you tonight to consider. Again, I'm wondering here, if you've ever given Jesus that personal invitation to come into your life, have you done that? Or is he still knocking and he's still outside the door? Is he inside or is he outside? Because as I said to you, as I said to you a little while ago, Jesus is here. It's not a matter of him coming for the first time. He's here now by his spirit. He's here. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Where is he? Have you opened the door and invited him in or is he still on the outside? It's a choice that you need to make. He's come here. He wants to meet with you. I wonder if you want to meet with him tonight. Can I just ask that we bow together in prayer? Thanks. Can I just ask if we have all our heads bowed and the worship team can come forward, sure. And while we're all just praying and, and thinking about what God's been saying to you tonight, can I just ask this question tonight? I'm just wondering how many are here tonight and you haven't yet opened the door of your life to Christ, but that you would like to do that tonight. If you've never opened the door of your heart, perhaps even though you've heard him knocking 
and calling your name but you haven't yet opened that door and you'd like to can I just ask you if you'd like to do that tonight would you raise your hand anyone here tonight just like to do that never have you opened the door to Christ I do see some little hands tonight anyone else let me also ask you this I'm speaking to those of you who really do know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour tonight but I'm wondering tonight is there any door in your life that you haven't opened to Christ your life has many facets to it I'm just wondering if there's some compartment in your heart tonight that you have never opened to him you see he wants the whole lot of you he doesn't want part of you he wants all of you and I just wonder tonight whether there's anything in your heart that you've kept him out of please don't do that please let this Jesus come in he will make a difference that you will not believe open your heart to him every compartment of your life if you're in that category tonight and you'd like to just say Jesus I want you to come into this part of my life that I've never asked you to do before would you put your hand up any hands for that tonight thank you thank you I just want to pray for you and then after the service is finished just invite anyone that was to come down to sit in the front and, and I'd just love to pray for you or have someone pray for you tonight Father we thank you for this uh, amazing time of your presence with us here tonight I want to thank you that you do see every heart there's nothing that we can hide from you your word speaks about that 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 you see every heart that everything is opened and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must do and uh, Lord we know that and Father you're such an amazing tender-hearted merciful loving gracious God you just want to give us the best unless we have you filling every department every single compartment of our hearts then we don't have the best we want the best and you want us to have the best and you are the best and I thank you for these ones tonight who've indicated, Lord, would you fill every department of my life, every, every single facet of my life I want to open to you. I don't want to have a closed door in any part of my life to you. I want you to fill me with your spirit, Lord. Shine your light into every single nook and granny of my life, Lord. Let your healing presence flow. Let your hand be upon every single dimension of my life. Father, those who have prayed that prayer tonight, God, I pray you'll bless them richly and minister to them right now. Let your hand rest upon them. And I thank you for your presence here tonight. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do in our lives as we walk with you through the rest of this evening and into the new week. Thanks, Lord, that you've already gone ahead of us like a shepherd. You go ahead of your sheep. You've gone ahead of us into the new day tomorrow. We don't have to worry, fret, be afraid. We can trust you and know that you are there for us forever. Thanks for being the light. Thanks for being the God who made himself uh, a human being and, and, and dwelt among us. Thank you that you came to us and made God known to us, Lord Jesus. We want to commit ourselves to you now and thank you for your presence with us and for all that you're doing and will do as we open ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen.